Amen. It is good to be home. So thank you once again for the prayers. And uh, Lord willing, uh, we will go ahead. Uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, of course, we're a couple weeks away from the Faith Promise Missions Conference, and uh, so I want to preach a little bit about the life of faith, and so here you are in Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, familiar probably to everybody in the room, but we'll read it anyways, verse number 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that, the, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he has this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. And became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. I'm going to stop there. Of course, you continue on and you get uh, Abraham and Sarah and all the way down and get all the way out to the end of that list. And he gets down to of whom the world was not worthy. And uh, the life of faith, these men and, and ladies, in fact, throughout the chapter are held up as basically the pinnacle of the idea of faith, the idea of uh, our trust and our belief in God and what He does and how He does it. And the fact that they live by faith, the life of faith oftentimes is shown not through just the in-heart belief. That's part of it, uh, right? You have to believe with your heart. You have to understand that in your heart. Uh, but that's why when he makes the statement, right, uh, simple, we'll go simple, right? Re Romans chapter 10 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. That belief, that faith then causes an outward answer. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Our faith dictates what we do. <laughs> what we actually believe. You can tell somebody who doesn't believe what they actually say they believe because they don't do anything about what they say. They believe. That's the question. The question is, do we actually believe what we say that we believe? Uh, there's a difference between lip service. There's a difference between knowing what we ought to say or knowing what we should be, you know, actively looking. You've seen those people, right? They are extremely busy at doing nothing, right? They're really good at looking like they're doing something, but they never really accomplish much. Uh, that's the idea. The idea is, well, we say we believe these things, but we never act upon them. Uh, that's a sad reality of a lot of Christians. They say they believe these things. They say they hold to these truths. They say they have this relationship. They say that they, and they don't do anything about what, what they know or say that they believe. 
this chapter is replete with men and women who were not perfect people. Say, so how do you know that? Because they're people. They're not sinless. Now, they appear to be virtually sinless in the chapter, right? I mean, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're not doubting and they're not wavering, you know, and we know that's not really, but that's the way God wants to remember them. He forgets the unrighteousness. He eliminates those things because they choose ultimately to trust him and to do what he wanted them to do. And so as we go forward, uh, next couple of weeks, right, of course, Sunday was regular services, but the following, the 12th starting, uh, we'll start our Faith Promise Missions Conference. And it started as the idea of faith. It's promising something by faith to God for the year that you don't really know personally. You can't really definitely say, well, yes, that paycheck's going to stay the same, or yes, my job's going to be there, or yes... You know, all this stuff, everything's just going to work out exactly the way that I think it's going to. It takes faith to go, hey, God, what do you want me to give? And he gives you the number and you say, okay, I'm going to give that. And you give that. That's a promise of faith. You choose. And uh, you choose. And our church has been very good at giving to missions. They've been very good about that faith promise. And you say, well, you know, do you know what people give? I have no idea what people give. All I get is that nice total right there. And Brother Mike takes care of me and says, this is what we got in missions. We're doing good. Or this is what we got. Hopefully the rest comes in before the end of the month. Or, you know, wherever we are. Normally it's, no, we're doing fine. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Praise the Lord. But the question comes, well, would we be willing to have a life of faith if God decides he wants? I mean, look at us. We are in the most uncertain times, at least of my lifetime. I can't think of a time in, in my lifetime that looked like this. And then to be able to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then trust that number that he told you and put it down and go, okay, I'm going to do that. Now, this extends to every area of your life, but of course we have the conference coming up, so I wanted to mention that. But the truth is, faith is evident in what you are going to do in your day-to-day life. This isn't something where these guys weren't just, you know, oh, well, I had faith that one day, and uh, the rest of the days don't really matter. Uh, No, this is a lifetime idea for these men. And so I'm going to talk about these first three men and just kind of take a look at what they did by faith, and maybe we can learn some things. And uh, I'll try to be as brief as necessary tonight. Lord, I do pray you would bless our time together. I thank you for, Lord, your goodness and your mercies upon us. Lord, I'm glad that we woke up this morning and your mercies were renewed again. And Lord, I'm glad that we were able to be here tonight. I do thank you, Lord, even though the the weather isn't that great. But Father, I do thank you that you provided safety, Lord, for those that are here. And I do pray you would bless them for coming out on on this night. Lord, once again, we pray you'd bless the word of God as it's preached. We pray it would be a blessing to the hearers. And Lord, that you would once again be praised, honored, and glorified with what's done here at this church. Lord, we love you. And Father, I do pray you would send your son back and come get us, Lord, even tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Once again, here we are. And so we'll talk first about Abel. Abel was a worshiper, right? He worships by faith, Uh, right? He goes ahead and he brings the sacrifice. By faith, Abel offered unto God, verse number four, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And of course, we can go back to Genesis chapter 4 and get back to Genesis chapter 4. We won't go there sake of time. Most of you, if not all of you, know, right? You've read Genesis chapter 4. And uh, Cain brings an offering. 
of the fruits of the ground that he had made. He's a tiller of the ground. He brings in what he wants, whether it's, you know, the potatoes or the radishes or whatever it is. He's bringing the, bringing the carrots in. You know, he's bringing this stuff. And it's all the work of his hands. It's, it's unacceptable to God. It's an unacceptable offering. And Cain brings the offering, and uh, you can disagree with me. I, I think it's just as simple as fire falling from heaven if it's accepted. So why do you say that? Because fire seems to be the acceptance of an offering. And somehow God had respect to Abel's lamb that he brings, and he doesn't to Cain. So it's visible. Whatever it is that happened, they all knew offering of a lamb was accepted and Cain's was not so whether it's just fire falling from heaven or whether it's something else I don't know but I would lean more toward just fire falling from heaven that's why Elijah calls down fire from heaven that's why that's the challenge that's why everything is fire 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 and purified and the offering becomes a burnt offering it's kind of logical you say there's no verse on that you're right I don't have anything nothing in Genesis 4 that says how it went but that's what I think and so if you don't like that, come up with your own cool idea of how he knew. But somehow they knew he was good and Cain's was not. Either way, we understand one thing. Abel brought the right sacrifice and Cain did not. And it was a question of worship. This is not a question of, well, you know what... The world tries constantly, religion tries constantly, right, to bring a sacrifice. My good works, my religion, my church, my baptism, my whatever. They just keep sliding stuff in there. But it's not the sacrifice that they need. They need the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. They need the Lord Jesus Christ as their sacrifice, who gave his life a ransom for many, who died not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's an aspect of worship that comes in, and it's worship by faith. And offering a sacrifice is part of worship. You get to Genesis chapter 22, and we won't turn to there either. Uh, just sake of time, I don't want to be long tonight, but he says in Genesis chapter 22, right? Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. So Abraham grabs Isaac, and in the morning he rises up, and they go. And when they get to the mountain where they're supposed to be at Moriah, he turns to his servants, right? And he says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. What's the plan? A sacrifice is the plan. Sacrifices are part of our worship. We don't like that idea. We don't like to give up anything. We don't like to give up on things. We don't like to hand things over. But ultimately, worship is part of faith. Abraham is held up as the great man of faith, and his faith is counted for him for righteousness because he's willing to trust God. He's willing to trust that if he brings a sacrifice that God asked him to give, that God will honor it. That's pretty, that's pretty simple. God asked for it, I am willing to give it. That's all the sacrifice is. And sacrifices aren't always, well, I'm going to lose out on everything. People think of sacrifice and they go, well, you know, I mean, it is going to get burned up. I mean, it is going to go away. It is going to be something destroyed and I'm never going to be able to have that again. And it's never going to work out that way and it's going to be awful 
except they always forget one thing. Isaac didn't go away. Isaac was still there. He didn't offer Isaac entirely. It was only one simple question. The question was, do you love Isaac more than you love me? Now that doesn't mean God gives you everything back and he doesn't make you sacrifice it. But sometimes, you know God gave that to you and you know he promised it to you just like he did Isaac, right? Isaac's the child of promise. We find out later in this chapter here in Hebrews chapter 11 that God uh, was counted faithful by Abraham. That he'd raise him from the dead. If I got to kill him, God promised him, I guess I got to get the kid back. I don't know how else he's going to do it. I got to kill him. How can God be right if I kill him? Well, then he's got to raise him from the dead. That's all there is. It's the only option I have. Christian, you realize God's promises to you are just as secure as the promise he made to Abraham about Isaac? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Well, yeah, but I can't afford. You can, if he told you to. That's the idea of praying about it. Finding what God wants you to do. Finding out how he wants, to, wants you to give, how he wants you to live. How he, what does he want you to give up? What does he not want you to give up? Sometimes sacrifices are amazing because he calls it a sacrifice of praise. You know, even praising him can be a sacrifice. Worship. Worship. Sometimes it costs you to praise him. Because people think you're crazy. Sometimes it costs you to thank him. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. It costs you to be thankful to him. Because the world doesn't understand that the problems and the troubles and the trials that we go through, when we worship and thank him, we get to go, oh, thanks, Lord. And they go, what? You go, no, it's a sacrifice. Don't worry, I know. The Lord knows what is best for me. That's part of faith. Trusting that if something has to leave your life, whether it's a physical thing, a spiritual thing, an emotional piece, whatever it is, that God can go ahead and take care of those things anyways. That's part of a worship of faith. The worship of faith is that I trust that if I do it God's way and I give up what God asked me to give up or I do what God asked me to do, that He will go ahead and bless it anyways. A worship by faith. Then you also need a walk by faith. Enoch was translated in verse number 5, that he should not see death. And so we understand, right, you get back to Genesis chapter 5. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. There are very few men in the Bible that it says that phrase, that they walked with God. Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, but he lost that privilege. Enoch walked with God and he did it so well that God had him walk up to heaven and just translated him, put him from one space into another. Very few do you find that actually get to walk with God because the answer in Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 is, can two walk together except they be agreed? Most of the time we don't agree with him. We don't like what we had to sacrifice. We don't like what we had to give up. And so we go, I don't, I don't agree with him, so I'm not doing it. And then you stopped walking with him. The Christian is supposed to walk with him. 
Right? 1 John chapter 1, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We're supposed to walk with Him. Abide in Him. I mean, how many verses do we need? Right? We're supposed to be in fellowship with God. What breaks the fellowship? He didn't change, you did. <laughs> you disagreed with Him. And He goes, well, I don't, I don't change. I don't change. Well, and who are you walking with? You're walking with him or you're not. God always wants to walk with you, but he walked with Adam until sin showed up. Then he couldn't do it anymore. Christian, he'll walk with you right up until sin shows up. Then he can't do it anymore. You broke fellowship. But it takes faith. It takes faith to realize that God wants us to walk with him. It takes faith to trust that the way that He wants you to go and the step that He wants you to take is the step for you that He asks you to do. When we break that move, when we move away from Him, you know what we realize? We realize that guess what? We're not going to walk with Him anymore. There's a group of disciples that are there and it says, and they walk no more in His ways. They walk away. They go, I don't want to listen to that. They won't endure it. Timothy reminds us that there will be people that will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap onto themselves teachers having itching. They won't, they won't put up with it. So what does that mean? It means that they won't put up with the teaching that God gives them. And part of that is just the reproof and the rebuke and the exhortation that they need to take. And they need to go ahead and get corrected and get it fixed, and they go, I don't want to. God says, okay, well, you can't walk this way then. Unwilling to walk the way he told you to walk. Uh... I could go on and on, but, you know, uh, you watch somebody, and you can do it, right? If you're familiar with somebody, you can spot them a mile away practically just walking. They're just walking, and you're like, oh, I know that. Just by the way, just by the stride that they take, the way they carry themselves, the whole thing, realize that, that it's easy to spot somebody by their walk. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if they confused you for Jesus Christ for your walk? Walk the way he walks, day in and day out. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Well, that's only a walk of faith. To trust that he knows how to live this life, how he knows how to walk in this world. See, then that you walk circumspectly as wise and not as fools, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Not being unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's all part of walking. Walking and understanding what he wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. That's part of our walk. So what do you do? You walk with Him. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, what does He want me to do? Well, grab a Bible and find out what He wants you to do. I am one of those people who, you can disagree, but uh, I'm one of those people who, I don't really care about some of your standards. Because standards vary from person to person. There are lines that people can't cross because they just can't cross them. Not, not for me and not for... So easy, this is an easy... I worked at a pizzeria for a long time, you guys know, delivering pizzas and stuff. And invariably, one of the places I would have to go eventually, not very often, but some one of the bars in town would order pizzas. And so you know what I'd have to do? I have to deliver pizzas into a bar. So I'd walk into the bar and 
set the pizzas on the counter, and they would hand me the money, and I'd walk back out. Now, some folks, they can't do that. They'd be tempted to walk in and pause for a little longer. Maybe get a beer slid across to them so that they could just, oh, that wouldn't be me. That would be some. You know, they wouldn't be able to do, they shouldn't go back in. They should have a standard there to keep them from sin. All standards ought to be some things that you just need so that you don't have to fall into a place where you'd be trapped by sin. It's a good reason to have some standards. Say, well, why didn't you have that standard there? I've never had a drink in my life. It doesn't really tempt me. I mean, it's not like I'm walking in there like, oh, yeah, I really want a beer. I mean, I've had none of those. And it smells horrendous walking into this bar. Trust me, there's nothing I want to do more than just drop the pizzas, grab the money, and walk out the door. Trust me, that's all I want. Nothing. I don't even like coffee. It's wicked. Anything you have to get used to tasting... It's probably not good anyways. All right. And so you say, what's the problem? The problem is people don't walk by. They don't go, well, you know, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be tempted there. So they won't put standards in to keep them walking well. They won't put things in. Well, you know, I, I, can, I can let that slide. No, you probably can't. As soon as you start going, well, I can let that slide. Usually that means you're letting something in that you shouldn't have let in in the first place. It's going to hurt your walk of faith. It's going to hurt you being able to walk with the Lord. Almost invariably. Verse number 7, you get a man by the name of Noah. And he is, of course, warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark for the, to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Here he is, and Noah, you could go back, of course, to Genesis chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and you get Noah, right? Noah is a hundred years in building the ark. A hundred years. He's working by faith. This is all work by faith. You realize that he has no idea what rain is, but God says it's going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights. So build a boat. He's like, okay, <laughs> what's rain? <laughs> it's never rained before. Like, what's rain? Don't worry about that. Just build an ark, man. Just do what you were told to do. And he's building, and he's like, I thought it was going to rain. He's like, you need a lot of time. That's a big boat, man. So it gives him a whole hundred years. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? being told that something was going to happen in a hundred years and you need to start getting ready now. And you're like, whew, that's a lot of prep work, right? Thankfully, I don't think Noah was a procrastinator, right? Could you imagine trying to cram that in in the last week? Got to get this boat done. It's about to start, you know? Like, what are you doing? Thank goodness he wasn't, right? And for you and I, you realize that God, you and I, we don't know when a trumpet's sounding. Could be tonight. We don't know how much longer we have. Maybe you've got 70 to 80 years. Maybe. Maybe. But that's not even a guarantee. We know plenty that die long. We have no idea. What is our life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. 
right? We have no clue. You know what God, God gave us? He gave us whatever little short window we have, and he said, I got work for you. I've never seen a rapture before. Yeah, but I know it's coming. I've never seen rain before. Yeah, it's coming. Don't worry. Say, how long is it going to be? I don't know. How long is it going to take you to build that boat? I don't know. How long is it going to take for God to finish up with the work that he's doing right now? Say, how long? I don't know. Things seem to be ramping up. Say, yeah, but it could be, it could be another 60 years. I know it could be. I don't think it is, but it could be. could be another hundred. But the problem is it could be today. <laughs> How much of a procrastinator are you? His statement in 1 Corinthians 15, he ends the chapter with always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Always abounding. It means we're doing it a lot. There's an abundance of it. I think oftentimes we don't have any abundance of our work because we don't have a lot of faith that the work's getting done. We look around and we go, well, the world is lost and we give up hope and we walk away and we go, well, you know, I mean, they're all going anyways. What's the difference? And you could be all the difference. Just one right word at just the right time. Just one moment with somebody could change their entire life. That's what happened to you, wasn't it? It was somebody who said something. It was somebody else maybe who said something later. It may be several somebodies, but they all had that little piece of just bumping you down into a road where you could finally get the right answer. But aren't you glad they took some time? Aren't we all glad they took some time? Aren't we glad that missionaries get sent? Aren't we glad that uh, people go and people preach and people do? But it doesn't, it doesn't remove our responsibility to work. And it doesn't have to be anything amazing. Uh, you know what's strange is that God doesn't expect you to be amazing. Right? We, we know the list in Corinthians, right? Not many mighty, not many noble are called. And God goes, you know, no, I use the foolish things, right? The base things and the weak and the things that are not and all that. Stuff. He, uses the, he uses the nobodies like us. And he goes, I, can, I don't expect you to be sufficient. I'm the one who's sufficient. I'm the one who's great. I'm the one who's amazing. I am the one who speaks the universe into existence. I'm, so you know what? If you're working for me, <laughs> that's where that verse starts coming in. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. If he asks, I can do it. I can even build an ark in a hundred years to save a world and condemn the world all at the same time. That's being a great, you realize that is an amazing witness right there. You know that you and I condemn the world every time we speak of Jesus Christ. It is one more condemnation to a world who refuses to trust that Jesus Christ died for them. It condemns them. But it could be their salvation if they'd be willing to trust it. A walk of faith and a work of faith. 
His work is abounding. And he gets done and he's considered a preacher of righteousness. Goes ahead and preaches to all of them. And you realize that back there in verse number 6, without faith it is impossible to please him. There is no hope of you pleasing God without living a life of faith. It's impossible. It pleased him to save you by the foolishness of preaching. He was pleased with that. But it didn't stop there for us. It doesn't stop there. We have a life of faith we should be living. We, we not only get to go ahead and get salvation, but then we get to go ahead and worship Him by faith. We get to choose that we're going to go ahead and listen and sacrifice the things that He wants us to give up or to give to Him. We get to choose whether we're going to have a walk of faith and day to day walk with Him, get in our Bible, pray, listen to Him, walk with Him, learn from Him, and try to be just like Him. We get to decide day in and day out if we will work for Him or if we just want to work for ourselves. But all of it's done by faith. All of it's done by faith. Because we have to go ahead and figure out what pleases God and do that. Figure out what makes Him happy. That's the goal right there. And by faith, we understand what He wants us to do. I'm just going to slide one more thing in and I will be done. I want you to know this. Cain, Cain is, is an odd fellow to me. The reason why he's so odd is he brings the sacrifice first. From what it looks like, Cain brings the first sacrifice. And when he gets it wrong, God is not mad at him. Realize this, God is not mad at you if you didn't figure out what he wanted. You got the signal crossed somehow. Your faith was there, you believed God, and you didn't get it right. God's merciful. You know what he does? He comes back around and he says, Hey, Cain, now you do know what I'll accept. Can you bring that? He doesn't bash him over the head for not doing the right thing. He says, Hey, Cain, you know what's right now. How about we just do what's right? He's not upset. He's not angry. He's not... Say, when does he get angry? When Cain refuses and then kills his brother and then down the line it goes. What was the problem? He didn't want to have faith. He didn't want to trust that God would honor the second offering. You know, God doesn't want to toss you away. He wants, he wants to work it out. Oh, you didn't get it right. That's fine. You tried. Now let me redirect so you can do it right. That's what he wants to do. He's a wonderful God. He wants to walk with you way more than you want to walk with him. He wants, he wants to work with you and he wants to have you doing the work and he wants you in it and he wants you with him and he wants it all. It's you and I that break the fellowship and fail him. If we'd be willing to get it right, there's no, there's no problem in the middle. It's all fixed. Cain could have had it fixed. He chooses not to. You can have it fixed. What will you choose? You want to please Him? Then it's a life of faith. 
Lord, we thank you for the night. I pray you would bless our night tonight. Keep everybody safe going home, Lord. I don't know how the roads are, but I pray that, Lord, your hand would be upon us. Thank those for uh, that were out there in the hallway taking care of things, for Brother Victor. And, Lord, we just, uh, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercies to us. We love you. Pray you would come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, have a good night. Get home safe.